This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's the Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. A deadline day dash for Michael Edwards and Jurgen Klopp, Preston North End's Ben Davis, and a Turkish delight in the form of Schalke's Ozan Kabak, seen as the pair to solve Liverpool's defensive SOS. We'll get into the latest deadline day dealings, we'll look back on Sunday's win over West Ham and preview Wednesday night's visit of Brighton. To do all of that, we have our Liverpool correspondent, Chief Liverpool writer Ian Doyle, and Joe Rimmer as well. Gorsty. Is that Liverpool correspondent not going to name? Oh. No, that's just your title. I, I, I thought I said his name. Paul Ghost. Of course no. it's Paul Ghost. No, you do. Oh, dear. <laughs> Amateur hour on the Blood Red podcast. Anyway, let's uh, crack on. We've got plenty to talk about on deadline day. And uh, Gorsty, as we spoke earlier on, it's it's an exciting one. Liverpool doing a old-fashioned double deal. Yeah, the old Chris Kerr from Jersey Dudek. Yeah. Uh, the old move for that one when, when uh, Gerard Ule brought them to. And, and as I was saying before, Guy, when, when we did the agenda earlier today, I mean, Liverpool, um, Liverpool normally sensible and quite prudent, aren't they? And they've normally got the feet up at Melbourne as it was and telling uh, Vinny O'Connor outside to uh, not bother because nothing's happening and, you know, to, it's going to be a quiet day at Melwood. But um, for a little bit of a change, Liverpool have mixed it up and they're leaving it till late in deadline day to bring in not one, but uh, two, we believe. And um, while fans would normally be looking at it and thinking, oh, I'm, I'm happy that Liverpool aren't bothering with any of this and we can, you can just kind of watch the madness unfold now and it doesn't affect Liverpool. I think there's always a little part of them that thinks, oh, I'm a little bit gutted that we're, that we're missing out on this one. So I think supporters are being glued to Twitter and our blog and Sky Sports News and whatever else today just to find out anything and everything that's happening. And uh, it's, it's, it's exciting, isn't it? It's a little bit different. We're not used to it as, as reporters. We normally... Um, as we say, just scrabbling around for the latest young kid going out on loan or, you know, whoever it may be. But um looks like we've got uh, two two arrivals coming at, at some point today. Yeah, Doyle, it sort of seems to be something to do with the, the uh, calendar year ending in one. It, I, I sort of go back to 2011 when Suarez and Carroll arrived. Obviously, Fernando Torres left. There were helicopters. They're not involved this time, but it does sort of have that level of excitement. Well, I'm not excited. I'll be honest. Surprised, I surprised yeah, at that I one. Well, well, let's say that. Just say that. You know, yeah, I was working when all that was happening in 2011, and as I've said before, I've, I've come at Everton, and they every single year would do something ridiculous on deadline day. So deadline day was always a nightmare. So now I can't prefer it when no one signs. It's great. Uh, anyway, um, it's it's. I mean, it's it's interesting in the sense that it's obvious that Liverpool didn't want to do anything. And they were, they were not going to do anything. But clearly, if you add in what's happened with Joel Matip, which while we haven't had any word from Liverpool, we have to assume it can't be a very good injury if it's ankle ligaments and they're looking to, as we understand, to to bring in uh, a player, Kabak, on, on loan, for, with, which I'm sure Gorsty will come into a little bit more detail. He knows a bit more about it than the rest of us. So that's an interesting move because it kind of like, while people will go, oh, look at Liverpool now spending all this money, they've actually spent next to nothing again. If you look at the transfer window uh, just gone as well, they, they, they did a very creative deal for Diogo Jota. So it's not just Liverpool. We, we've mentioned this several times on the podcast that teams aren't spending loads of money and Liverpool aren't going to. But it's been fairly obvious for a while now that they needed a centre-back. And now the fact that they're going to get two is what's the interesting thing. I mean, I'm showing my age now where I can remember when Liverpool signed Phil Bav and John Scales more or less on the same day. And they both ended up having 
you know, fairly lengthy-ish Liverpool careers, but more so than scales. I don't think anybody would have expected that at the time, but you know that's these things pan out. And we've seen in the past, in more recent years, that Liverpool quite like a defender in the January. They got uh, Martin Skittle, Daniel Agger, uh, Pellegrino a little bit before him, and um, what's the other guy's name? Dutch guy, tall one, injured. Him from camp as well. Yeah, him as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Crockham. Sure, it was him. Uh, Joe, though, two defenders and, and not one shows that, as Dolly was sort of suggesting, maybe something to do with the injury with Joe Matip as much as anything. But it shows that Liverpool really don't want this crisis to obviously be lingering on into the second half of the season and have decided finally on deadline day, after a month of deliberating over it, that they do need two and not just one. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, I think. As Dolly's just said, it might speak volumes about where Matip's at um, with his injury at the moment. But, yeah, two seem to be very creative deals. Um, I mean, I think there is a lot of creativity going on in the market at the moment because there's not a lot of money going around. But to get Quebec on loan with an option and not an obligation, of course, I'm sure will run us through in a bit, to buy, I think is, it's a bit of a no-brainer, isn't it? It's a, um, he's a player who's been linked a lot. Um, Liverpool distanced themselves from him last summer. But obviously, think he's worth the punt, and if he's not very good, well, it won't be um, it won't be a bad thing in the summer that they can send him back. And and then Davis is again another no-brainer because such a small fee and and um, you know really riskless transfer, isn't it? So, and then you had Nat Phillips, who I'm sure we'll come to in a bit, played very well at the weekend, so that good as well. So, yeah, Liverpool looking a lot healthier. They needed to get stuff done, um, you know, and I'm not I'm not convinced they were going to do anything. I'm pretty sure. They would like to have had this this day. It was a quite a quiet day. Should had um, had Matip and Fabinho been fit, um, but I think you know just the extent of injuries has forced their hand, and they've come come through with two quite creative and, and risk free moves. So a pretty pleasing end to the day. Um, should both of those deals be confirmed in the coming hours? Yeah, Gorsi, let's run through the deals then. Ben Davison, Ozan Kabak, the two who look like they're coming in. Coletta Carr's name was thrown around. Also, Carmo, as we've got a comment on screen from Braga, has also been mentioned sort of over the last couple of hours as well. But the deals Liverpool are working on, how how have they sort of structured these deals? How are they going to work? And how long are we expecting until these deals maybe get over the line? Yeah, well, well, we've had loads of comments coming in there as we've been chatting with um, some asking, you know, are these deals done? I mean, at the time of recording, it's, it's our four, isn't it? And neither are done at the moment. We certainly expect Ben Davis to be completed without a hitch. His medical was this morning. I think Liverpool um, made initial talks with uh, Preston on Thursday with Michael Edwards. And talks have accelerated over the weekend. And obviously we had the news yesterday that um, an agreement had been reached. Liverpool are going to pay... £500,000 initially, and it's going to rise to 1.6 based on um, appearance-based milestones and actually even an England cap, if you believe that, which probably shows you that um, Liverpool are quite confident uh, and Preston are quite confident in this uh, this defender's ability. Um, 25 years old, left-footed, a good passer by all accounts. Um, I haven't seen too much of them, but um, we were talking earlier today, Guy, weren't we? And that's something that you kind of concurred with, someone who can play a little bit higher up the pitch, uh, so enables Liverpool to defend in the same way they do as when um, Gomez and Van Dijk are on the pitch. So um, someone who's going to come in, um, no, not much experience at, at the top level, but he's, he's 25 and he's played close to 300 games. I think for Preston, he's been he made his debut at 17. He's been at the club since he was 11. So um, someone who's going to make the biggest move probably of his career and 
we'll see how he goes. Um, on the, the Quebec front, it's a bit of a race against time, isn't it? The Bundesliga transfer deadline closes at 5pm. Um, Schalke have made it clear that they need a replacement before they can agree to any kind of loan deal, but it does look as though uh, Mustafi from Arsenal is going to be heading to, to Schalke and um, Quebec has uh, undertaken his medical in, in Gelsenkirchen today ahead of a, a potential move. So um, it's all looking positive on, on the Liverpool front. Um, 2.5 million, we believe, is the, the loan agreement. But Liverpool are kind of uh, keeping the cards close to the chest with regards to names. You know, you throw throw names at them all day and, and sometimes you say yes, no, and maybe, but um, they're refusing to, to be drawn on. Names purely because I'd imagine of how um, how many they've been looking at over the last you know, last few hours. I mean, I think it's no secret that they've been in the market for a defender and they haven't really got much time. So, um, how kind of much of a mad dash that is behind the scenes only they will know. But I suppose that is why they've been keen to to neither confirm or deny names. So we, we've seen a few thrown out. You know, Coletta Carr, as you say, Carmo uh, of. But Braga, but it does uh, appear to be that uh, it is Ozan Kabak who, who's winning that race at the moment. Yeah, as you said before, in, in terms of Ben Davis, having seen a bit of him play, well, more than a bit of him playing for, for Preston North End, left-footed centre-half. Of course, it's a, a homegrown option coming in for Liverpool as well, a quick across the ground, decent passer as well. But, Doily, in terms of all of this, how do you look at it? Is it a bit of panic from Liverpool or does it go down as master stroke in terms of how they've, structured these deals the loan no obligation but an option to buy on Kabak and obviously with Ben Davis into the last six months of his deal at Preston North End little sort of wiggle room for them I suppose in terms of negotiating a, a big fee um, well first things first if I've seen either, either of these two players play I can't remember it so I bow to your superior knowledge certainly on Ben Davis and just about everybody on Twitter to uh, to the other from Schalke who's never keep forgetting that's how, that's how much I know about him, um, but actually, it's interesting because if the the signing of Davis was just going to be by itself, then there was a bit of a question mark over it. It's like why why would they be bringing him in? What? Because then you've you've already got Nat Phillips and you've got Reese Williams, and I know Reese Williams had a bit of a tough time lately, but he was he's played in every single Champions League game so far this season. We saw Nat Phillips against West Ham. He's not let anybody down when he's come in, come in and played. So. It's strange in that, but Liverpool just needed numbers. I think that was the feeling behind the Davis. That's what I would say with the feeling behind the Davis move, simply because they do need somebody who's an actual, as you say, 300 games. Might not be at the top level, but he's still an experienced centre-back. He'll have played against all different types of players. And as somebody who will be absolutely, if he gets the chance, chance, desperate to do well. Yeah, absolutely desperate to do well. And I think that's the, the case, the same with the, the other deal. Because if it's only going to be alone with an, an obligation sorry without an obligation to buy just an option they'll be absolutely desperate to be to be playing and play really well so in that sense Liverpool will be delighted that they've got two players with a point to prove who are genuine centre-backs and will offer an alternative to what they've got at the moment which it which let's be brutally honest isn't very much because you know with no Fabinho was also injured as we know so technically speaking they were playing with a, a midfielder at uh, centre-back at West Ham and then a a, a player who's only played, I think that's only his fourth Premier League appearance, I think only his fifth Liverpool appearance overall. So, And that's a player who almost left in the last transfer deadline day back in October. So, you know, I, in terms of was the is the panic, it depends what you call panic. I mean, 
it'll look like panic because they've had 31 days to sign somebody. Then they only started doing a bit of business on the 29th or 30th day. But the reality is until uh, Matip gets injured against Tottenham, they genuinely think, well, we don't actually need anybody else. But I think it's just interesting. If Matip gets injured next week rather than last week, you'd think... What a, you know, Liverpool would be in a, a massive problem. So, you know, while we've berated Matt at being injured all the time, he perhaps this is the one injury where he's actually got injured at the right time for Liverpool. Yeah, definitely. Uh, just picking up on sort of the, the theme of how the deals have been done, Joe, with Kabak in particular, we have been anticipating something big maybe in the centre back department in the summer understand sort of it's a 30 million pound or 30 million euro deal maybe that could be on the table so that would be a big deal but it's kind of a, a little audition both for he and for Liverpool if he doesn't quite look ready for what Liverpool need he is only 20 then they can not take that up and go big on on maybe someone else you've just said it guy yeah exactly I mean it, it makes total sense doesn't it and I think also financially um, you know it gives Liverpool buys Liverpool time to see where they're at uh, come the summer, because let's face it, you know it might still be a case where clubs still can't do big, big deals in the summer. You know, it doesn't look like fans are going to return into stadiums anytime soon, and you know, when, and when they do, it'll be a short, small amount of them. So, you know, this just buys Liverpool time, doesn't it? I think the Quebec deal is it looks like a bit of a masterstroke because you can't go wrong. You know, if he's good, he's good. If he's not, then he'll go back to Schalke, and Liverpool don't really need to worry about it. Um, you know, as, as Donny said, I haven't really seen much of him play at all, if anything. You know, but a lot of people sharing stats and stuff like that suggest he's sort of aerial dominant, aerially dominant player. And then you've got someone like Davis, who perhaps is better on the ground and a bit quicker. So it just, like Donny said, just gives Liverpool options, and it means that they can then, you know, for some games move Fabinho into midfield if they want to, move Henderson back into midfield. Because I think the other thing that was telling on Liverpool was that they were having to move Henderson and Fabinho to centre half, and then. We're short of options in midfield, and you know James Milner can't keep playing two, three games a week, can he? So it just gives them more bodies, it gives them more options, you know. And I don't even think I think if someone like Davis doesn't even play that many games, it's just a good option for Liverpool to have, and it eases the burden on on those there already. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a slight amount of panic to it because there has to be because I don't think anyone expected um, Fabinho and Matip to get injured again. Um, but I think Liverpool have dealt with it as well as they could under the circumstances. If they weren't going to go out and buy a an, Picano or you know a Ben White in, in this market, so these two seem to make sense. Is there maybe? Dorsey, I know we're not Bundesliga football experts, but looking at the Bundesliga table, Schalke are nailed to the bottom of it. They've conceded 49 goals. I suppose Kabak, if one thing, he's been used to doing a fair bit of defending this season, but going to be a big change in terms of going from a side bottom of the league like Schalke to coming into a side like Liverpool? Yeah, just instant kind of expectations, isn't it, where Liverpool, you know, it's a disaster if you draw a game, they might lose. Um, I, I have seen Kabak, I watched them earlier this season, I think they actually drew 0-0 on a Friday night, and I can't remember who it was against, but I, I, I couldn't say I noticed enough of them to, to form any sort of opinion, and, and even if I was watching them, you know, Watching him as closely as I could, you can't really form an opinion after one game anyway. But he's a Turkish international, he's 20 years of age, and um, you know, apart from Schalke having a bit of a disastrous season and they've got loads of financial problems, they're, they're still a big club in, in Germany, aren't they? So um, let's hope that um, 
he, I mean, Ian Clough said it, didn't he? He said the ideal scenario would be to bring someone in for the now and for them to be a long-term and a short-term solution. So um, I think Liverpool will give him every, every opportunity for him to kind of um, stake his claim and, and show that he is good enough. But crucially, they haven't got that obligation to buy if, if it does go through. And, and I think that is a key kind of sticking point of this deal. So um, it means that they're not kind of stuck to a deal that might cost them 25, 30 million in the summer for a player that you don't feel is going to be the right fit. So um, almost a, a try before you buy scenario for Liverpool at a time when they're in desperate need of, of just about any centre-back. So um, I think all things considered, if this one does get off the line, then it will be a, a very good one for Liverpool. Yeah, and I suppose with Davis as well, a left-footed defender at the, the heart of defence, not something Liverpool currently have within the squad. But, uh, Doyley, who would have thought that Scodram Mustafi would hold the key to Liverpool's January transfer dealings? He moving to, to Schalke, that allowing this, this to happen? You had to get the Arsenal link in somewhere, didn't you? Yeah, you just, just, you're just absolutely shameless. Totally shameless. What's interesting to me is that when it obviously last Friday, one Friday, is it only last Friday? Because it seems like forever ago. Um, there's only Friday, so three days ago, when it obviously became clear that Liverpool were chasing a centre back. So, you know, the fans on social media were like, yes, right, we're going after a centre back. And then when the stories came out on, you know, on Sunday, Saturday, Sunday over who they were actually targeting, quite a few of them were like, yeah, not that one. Yeah, I don't want that one. It's like, well, <laughs> you're either getting one or you're not. You know, there's not that many that Liverpool can go for, as we've seen. You know, not many people are moving. We're seeing a little bit more action now, actually, before the deadline itself. I think, I know Joe mentioned panic, and I wasn't sure on Liverpool. I think there are some clubs who are starting to panic a little bit. They feel as though they need to do something. In Liverpool, I've been, you know, if, if the deals go through the way that they're, the way that it looks as though they might do, then it is very clever from them. Because as I said before, they haven't done had much financial outlay, partly because they, well, two reasons. One, they probably, as Joe said, with no fans coming in, they can't really do that because they don't want to take that particular risk. And it is a no risk with these two players because, you know, Ben Davis hasn't cost that much money and Kavak is not going to, you know, if they get him in, they won't actually be paying anything for him. Certainly not obliged to. I mean, that might change in the, in the summer, but it is just, I think Liverpool have realised that They've got themselves into a decent disposition in the league. They're still in the Champions League. Uh, so they want to be a, in a position where they can actually give it a bit of a go in the second half of the season. And by bringing in two centre-backs, then, let's be honest, they haven't got any excuse whatsoever if things don't go to plan. But on counter-argument to that, Joe, is it not going to be frustrating if Liverpool now have a brilliant second half to the season because the defence is sorted out and fall, I don't know, five points short of winning the title and think, well, we delayed for a month. If we'd perhaps done the business earlier, could have maybe landed another Premier League title. Yeah, I've got to be honest. I think I, I spoke with a couple of on a part or so a couple of weeks ago, and you know, I I do think the damage has been done in terms of this is going to sound really negative, and I don't mean it to be, but it's just my gut feeling. But in terms of the title defence, I think the last month has has just dealt a massive, massive blow, and, and City have got nice advantage now. They they look good. And look, this season can change on anything. We've seen it haven't we, all season. It's been a been very strange, and teams seem to just go off the boil immediately and come back. So, you know that that could change. But I just thought, you know, the, the last month or so took its toll, and it still it still frustrates me that Liverpool put themselves in this position. You know, they went into the season with Matip, who doesn't have a good in, injury record, and I, and you know they they knew that going in, and I thought they took a risk, and it, it did backfire and. You know that that 
as harsh as it sounds, I think it, it, it looks like it's going to cost them the title um, because you know they shouldn't be in this position. I still I still think that Liverpool, when they have all their players fit, are by far the best team in this league. I, I really really do believe that, but they've just been obliterated by injuries and and not having any backup. And as I said before, it's not just the centre halves; it's having to move Fabinho, who you know is world class in in midfield and you're having to move him to the back. Same with Henderson. I think they've missed his energy in midfield at times. And um, I think that all contributed to them not being able to score many goals across the, um, the late Christmas and, and early January period. So, yeah, I, I find, find it very frustrating. And I do think, you know, I suspect that their hand's been forced today and that's why they, they've got him moved. But been forced by the massive and, and Fabinho injuries um, that they suffered this week rather than what happened earlier in the season. Um, so, yeah, I, I am slightly frustrated, I have to admit. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Talking of goals and everything, they were backflowing at the London Stadium. Doyle, you were there to watch on against West Ham United. That second goal in particular, and, well, Mohamed Salah's worked for the first one even. He was really back on song, wasn't he? He was. I mean, let's be, be honest, he was decent against uh, decent at Old Trafford, wasn't he? Scored twice. He was good at Tottenham. Should have had at least should have had one goal because you know that why that was disallowed. I don't exactly know, um, but yeah, it, but yeah, I know why it was disallowed. But what I'm saying is that it should have been allowed. Is what I'm saying. Um, anyway, that's 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 done dusted. Going back to West Ham, yeah. I mean, the second goal. I could have just written the entire match report on the second goal. It was just one of those goals where in the stadium. Obviously, we were lucky enough to be there and actually see it. Is you could just see it all happening. You could. I've seen the replays on the television, and it's not quite the same. But you could see like if he puts it there, and then he puts it there. But when Shakiri puts the ball over, everybody just thought, "Why have you done that? You know, why didn't you just run with it a little bit? Why is it first time?" And then then Salah just obviously just controls it with one touch, with one foot, and then just knocks it in with the other one. So. It was one of those goals where even some of the people in the press press box were. I wouldn't say clapping, but they were like, oh, you know, they were quite appreciative, quite appreciative of it. You know, uh, our former so colleague saying, James, I was going to say, our, yeah. our former colleague James Pierce was not there, right? So uh, he would have probably been on the pitch by that point if, they, if he'd actually been there. And believe me, the pitch was about 500 miles away. It was in a different different postal code. It was that far away. So, no, I mean, I, but what interest, interesting to me was that I was getting all this feedback on Twitter of people watching the game on television. They were saying that Gary Neville and Martin Tyler, you know, from Sky Sports, were kind of suggesting that Thiago was was slowing Liverpool down and, and ruining it for them, and they were just nowhere near as good as they should be, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, I, obviously, I haven't heard it myself, and I take some of what people were saying with a pinch of salt because you know what what people can be like—they hear things that they they don't mean, and then put brackets next to my name and then say that I've said it on a Q&A but uh, yes, that's something else entirely <laughs> but uh, but yeah but but Thiago started the last three games Liverpool have gone to United they've gone to Tottenham they've gone to West Ham three teams are in the top six and they've scored eight goals you know so if Thiago is making a difference to the way Liverpool play it's to get them help them get back scoring again I mean, and you can't say it's down to just down to the front three because Mane wasn't playing yesterday Firmino came off the bench, and I think Mane was on the bench at the start of the game against United. So I think there's there's been more factors than just Thiago. But the game itself, Liverpool, we knew what to expect. West Ham put everybody behind the ball. They looked fairly solid, but the longer the game went on, you saw at the end of the first half, Liverpool were starting to create a few chances. And then I think West Ham had one chance, didn't they? Headed off the line by Andy Robertson. And second half, Liverpool just, just went away with it. They thought they were very, very good. 
built on the confidence from the, from the Tottenham game and built on the, the confidence that they would have got from United where, as we've said in the past, I thought they were a bit unlucky to get beaten in the FA Cup game. I also seem to think, was my prediction 3-1 to Liverpool? Yeah, I think it was actually. Yeah, okay, so I just thought, I just thought, and I, and I also said, yeah, 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 anyway, go on, yeah. Yeah, unsurprising that you That's bring enough. that one up, but yeah. <laughs> Gorsty, is the blip officially over now? Yeah, no question. Uh, I thought last week was was a massive week for Liverpool. It was a uh, yeah. Klopp didn't seem to agree, but it was put to him in his press conference before the Tottenham game. Uh, this is a, a season-defining week and, and a season-defining run. And, and he said no. He said, "How can I think it like that?" I just look at Tottenham, and and you can see why he said that. But Liverpool needed six points, didn't need to, just to stay on the coattails of Manchester City and get themselves a fighting chance for that massive, huge, enormous game at Anfield on, on Sunday. Of course, still work to do first with Brighton up on Wednesday, but um, if Liverpool perform as they have done in the last two games, they should get through that. But that hasn't been as straightforward as it normally would be in recent weeks, has it? So it's still it's still a big game, but um, yeah, for me it was it was it was a huge weekend. If Liverpool wouldn't have got maximum points from um, from those games, then they, they, they could kiss by the kiss goodbye the, the the title, no question. I mean, it's still still got it all to do with City. With the the four point lead in the game in hand, but um, they need to uh, need to take they need to win against Man City, I think. But yeah, it, it was it was a massive week, a um, couple of massive results, and um, the blip is 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 uh, in the rearview mirror now, isn't it? Six goals in two games, maximum points. Liverpool are, are backfiring, and so Salah. And um, I agree with Doyle about that second goal. It was, it was just an incredible. It was it four touches, and it's in the back of the net. Um, just the. An incredible piece of counter attack and play, and, and to be fair, there's been loads of that under the under Jurgen Klopp. I think Liverpool have become one of the the best counter attack teams in Europe. Um, and when they when they put together goals like that, you can see why you, you would make a statement like that. It was just from start to finish, it was, it was brilliant. Yeah, certainly after the game, Joe Jurgen Klopp was asked what's the secret been to get Liverpool back scoring. He was remaining tight lipped, didn't want to share what the secret is. You any idea what it was? Um, just to carry on, you know, I think I think they just they just, you know, that they, they they played their game. I think you know, it was just getting that first goal, and I think as soon as they scored against Tottenham, you saw that the confidence rise, and then they were very good in the second half. And I thought the West Ham gave it, even though the first half was a little bit bland in terms of the football. I thought Liverpool looked utterly dominant and, and a lot more sure of themselves than they had in the previous run. Um, and then the goals were just phenomenal. You know, all, all three were really good and. You know that that second goal. I mean, I know both the guys have talked about it, but Salah's touch and finish, and to, to to bring that down and finish it so casually as he did, is uh, just the mark of a, a truly world class player. And he's he's a funny player, Salah, because you do hear a lot of talk about the players in the Premier League, and you know, perhaps we're being a bit precious, but I always feel like he doesn't get the credit he deserves. Um, you know, I even see people you know on Twitter hammering him for being lazy and this, that, and the other, and I just think. No, even even after the game, Graham Souness was talking about him being greedy, and I think it's the Premier League's top scorer. You know, I, 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 what more does does he need to do each week to convince people that he's he's totally world class? And you know, he's he's been absolutely brilliant since he's come to Liverpool. He scored over twenty goals for three, three seasons running, and you know, we're only just in February, and he's already he's already hit the twenty mark. So he's phenomenal and. You know, it was a really, really great goal. Um, but it was good to see, you know, that they turn the screw at the end. Firmino comes on, plays a role, in, and, and so the Doxlade-Chamberlain. So I think it was a real confidence booster. 
I think Brighton will be tricky though, so I think they just need to, to stay up, you know, keep themselves grounded, make sure they get through this this game, this next Brighton game, and then yeah, I agree with Gorsi that that City game is just massive. You know, I think I think they just have to win that game, um, and if they do, then you just never know. But yeah, I think they have to beat Man City. Can I, can I just ask Joe how much the ransom is? I'm slightly worried because I'm sitting in this room and I didn't turn the light on. I turn the light on it's getting darker and darker. And it's just going to be. I might turn this little. I'm in, the, I'm in my son's bedroom. He's two, by the way. And he's got this. Oh, there we go. There we go. I'm, I'm not alone. I'm surrounded by by friends. <laughs> um, no, no, I've got Woolly Mammoth. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mickey Mouse is down there. Yeah, no, I'm fine, but I might might go and turn the light on. I'm sitting in the dark. So we'll do that now. <laughs> people, people come for transfer news. They see cuddly toys. Win-win here yeah. on the the Blood Red podcast. But um, Doily, in terms of other standout performers aside from Mohamed Salah and Joe Gorsty, tried to help you out with a four. It's four seasons in a row now. He's he's hit twenty goals for the Reds. But in terms of other standout performers, we're talking about centre backs today and lots of people praising again Nat Phillips as I said before in the games that he's played I don't think he's let anybody down I mean he knows when he had his, his man of the match performance against West Ham and he's, he's, he's in the reverse fixture in October he, Jurgen Klopp said afterwards he's a player who knows what he can do and what he can't do you know he's not he's not messy but then Klopp said neither was I and I knew, how to, knew what I could do and I think, I think he's done alright when he's, when he's coming and what, what was good for me is that he seems to have got the trust of his teammates as well, I think. Certainly from looking at the way they were quite happy to give him the ball in certain places against uh, against West Ham, which, funnily enough, against Brighton in the away game, Brighton were... They they kind of just let him have the ball because they didn't think they could do anything with it in terms of playing out from the back. And I think he's got a little bit more confidence now because he's he playing one or two decent passes against West Ham. So, I, I, you know, if he's one of the options at centre-back, I'd be, you know, you'd be more than happy with that. Um, in terms of other performances, Ginny Wijnaldum again. Another great game, playing in that number six role. He's somebody who's, who's always stepped up for the team. You know, we have to kind of assume that he's going to be going at the end of the season, given the fact there's been no movement on his contract. And whenever he gets asked, he always says, well, you need to speak to the club about that. And they've been a bit busy with other stuff. So, yeah, I think, well, obviously Henderson playing centre-back isn't the ideal place for him, especially with Fabinho being injured. With Van Alden playing in that role in centre midfield, I think it does allow... The likes of Thiago, he'd be able to press forward a little bit more. Curtis Jones came on and he did some. He, he made an instant impact as well. I'm sure everybody saw the incident with with Klopp and Mil, James Milner on the touchline. Um, so we don't need to go through that again. But that was mildly amusing. But it did also show that you know Jones is somebody who can who can offer something in midfield as well. Yeah, certainly. Well, let's look ahead then. Brighton's come this week before Gorsty, Manchester City at Anfield said Jurgen Klopp's comments before Tottenham it was going to be a defining week. Seems as though this week really is. Yeah, it's it's just, just as big a week as the, the one before, isn't it? I think I wrote something similar in, in the analysis of the game yesterday and the big games just keep on coming. Even before the Tottenham game, I wrote something along the lines of Liverpool have got four of the top six to play coming up in the next few weeks and then they've got Everton and they've got Leipzig in the Champions League. So really is a, a critical, crucial period of the season. So um, what better than to sign two centre-backs in an area where, where you're desperately in need of it? So, um, yeah, it's been a good good few days for Liverpool, really good few days. Um, even better if they manage to get these two over the line, which it does look as though will be the case now. 
Um, and then they could go beat Brighton on um, Wednesday and then um, a massive game against City on uh, on Sunday. So, um, yeah, the big games, big days just keep coming. Yeah, certainly. So, uh, Joe, you're right there. I don't think Donnie's <laughs> even noticed that comment. Can anyone, I mean, obviously you can't hit, see this if you're listening, but a comment has just appeared at the bottom of the screen from Simon Evans that says, you can always rely on me and Doyle. <laughs> Remove the jam from your donut. And I think that just keeping it up. real. Just keeping <laughs> so it real. Well. That's all I do. I just, you know, just keeping it real. I'm, a, I'm an old person now, so I've seen quite a lot. I've seen things. I've seen things. <laughs> Getting back on track, Joe, obviously... Do we have to? Well, yeah, we do. We've got, we got a little bit more on Brighton to talk about and then uh, our match selections. But uh, in terms of Brighton-Liverpool still waiting for a win at Anfield since, what, the win over Tottenham? This Is is this the ideal opportunity, the ideal warm-up heading into the game with City at the weekend? Oof, all, all the ones at Anfield recently have been the ideal game to, to, to get that monkey off their back, so to speak. But, you know, I think Brighton are a tough side. I think that they're, they're very solid, aren't they? You know, they, they don't really ever seem too spectacular, but they seem to manage games quite well. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but they seem to always give the, the big teams a, a decent run for their money. Um, even if they don't pick up results, so I think it's you know it's a it's a slightly tough game, but I think if Liverpool can get that first goal, then you know once again like like we've seen against Tottenham and West Ham, they, they'll you know they'll run away with it. But it's a tricky one. Um, it's a tricky one, um, and and it, the, you know they'll need to do some rotating, but then at least they'll have Firmino to come back in. Um, I think that'd be that'd be massive because I don't think Divock Origi did too much the other day to impress, and then. Um, Hopefully Sadio Mane's fit. Um, you know, it was a, a small muscle injury, but small muscle injuries this season can drag on and on and on, as we've seen before. And, you know, with the amount of games that um, they have in short spaces of time, those those muscle injuries can keep them out for two or three or four, can't they? So, fingers crossed he's back at it. Um, and I suppose, you know, you might not even want to risk him, might you, with Man City on the horizon. So, um, But it's a, it's a tough one. Um, just to pick up something Dory said before about Wijnaldum, you know, again, he was brilliant yesterday. He was, he was absolutely superb against Tottenham. And it's just gutting. It's gutting that he, he will go now because, you know, I think barring a last-minute um, negotiation from the two parties, it, it looks more and more um, each day like he'll go. And it, it's really disappointing because I think... You know, Liverpool are losing one of their most reliable players for nothing. And, it, you know, look, it's, it's going to be difficult because you don't know what's going on behind closed doors, but it does feel avoidable. He does feel like the type of player that would want to stay. But, you know, I'd love to find out one day why that deal couldn't be reached. But um, it would be a real shame if he goes. be really, really gutting because he's just been a magnificent servant for Liverpool and a really great player. And, um, yeah, I think he's, he's going to be key between now and the end of the season as well. And when that day comes, Paul Gorse will be your man to ask, and I'm sure he'll let you know all about it, Joe. But anyway, let's crack on and get into our team selection for the Brighton game. Alison Becker in goal. Doily, I'll, I'll let you go with the uh, back four. Are you going to give two debuts out at the heart of defence? No, I'm not going to give any. All right. uh, and there won't be any. <laughs> uh, I, I'm taking the jam out of everybody's donuts and I'm taking the custard out as well. And anything you want in your donuts is going out. You're just going to get a really dry donut. I'll take the sugar off the top as well. If you, you know, just eat this dough, basically. That's what it is. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> right. Yeah. Defense now. Same defense as the defense against West Ham. 
crap. Okay, uh, we'll see you agreeing with that. The dog isn't, I don't think. Yeah. No, no. That was been shouting Kabak at me all afternoon. Um, <laughs> now, if, if, if Liverpool do manage to, to seal the deal for both Ben Davis and Ozan Kabak, then um, I'd be minded to start Kabak, um, throw him in there alongside Phillips, um, move Henderson into midfield. That'd be my centre back partnership. Joe, yourself? Yeah, same again. I thought Henderson and, and Phillips were great. So, um, um, yeah, I, I don't see any reason to change it. You don't need to beat yourself, of course. Yeah, I'm really enjoying his contributions. Yeah. <laughs> more than me, I must, that's the first time ever as well we've included somebody in a starting lineup who doesn't actually play for the club, which is that's quite good going. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very true. Yeah, well, Messi as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, he's, he's past it now. He's past it now. Right, right. Doily midfield. Oh. Well, it's going to have to be Juan Alden and Thiago, isn't it? I'd probably put Jones in there instead of Milner. Yeah, he did well coming off the bench. Obviously, did you mention that moment with Milner coming off as well? Gorsty, what's your midfield? Um, I think Juan Alden, Henderson. And I'd like to give Jones a start, actually. I just think Brighton are probably going to come and sit in deep, get men behind the ball and, and use that game plan that seemed to work to good effect over the last few weeks against Liverpool. So he just offers a little bit different, something different, doesn't he? He's, he's, he's not, not, not afraid to have a little dribble and pull defenders out of position. And I, I just think everyone else in the Liverpool team just, just tries to, to pick the passes too much. He, he's the one who seems to to get the ball on his feet and have a bit of a run. So um, I'm, I'm going to give Thiago a little bit of a breather and I'm going to pick Jones. Joe? I, I'm going to have to agree with Ian Doyle again. Um, Juan Alden, Thiago, and, and and Curtis Jones. Yeah, I think Curtis Jones is great. I think he's a, he's been one of the highlights of the season. And um, you know, Milner can't play a third game in a row. I wouldn't think. Mind you, if anyone can, James Milner can. He's he's like the bionic man, isn't he? he? Just keeps going. But but yeah, Curtis Jones, I think deserves a start. He's been very good in the cameos he's had recently from the bench. And you know, I think he he just could have the the raw ability to help break break a stubborn Brighton down. Break Brighton down. Quite difficult. Yeah, and what about the forward line, Doily? Uh, Brighton Breezy. Just thought I'd say that. I know Joe loves me saying it. Um, I was just thinking of the centre backs. Didn't Sacco and Alori sign on the same day as well? Was that right? Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah that might be. Yeah. That might be probably yeah. more comparative than than any of the others, to be honest. So uh, I should tell Theo before he writes that piece. Thing. I'm going to say, <laughs> get Theo to write it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, what was the oh yeah up front ah right now I don't think Sadio Mane is going to play okay and I actually thought Origi did alright in the second half I thought he started putting himself about and I think he comes you know obviously it's hard for people coming in and just playing I've not played for weeks but he's kind of been he's had a few more chances of late and I think he I thought he looked okay and it was interesting that it was him that got on the end of Thiago's one good pass in terms of key pass into the area where he nearly got on it just the end of the first half so I, having said that, I think he picked up an injury towards the end, so he's not playing. Um, so, <laughs> so, so with no Mane and no Origi, I'm going to put the lesser spotted Takumi Minamino on the left and put um, Firmino in the middle and Salah on the right. right. Okay, I thought you were going to say you were going to put Jones in the, the, the forward line then, as opposed to... No, because he's in the midfield. Yeah, no, midfield. I thought you were going to go back and reconfigure your midfield. But... No, no, no reconfigure. No. Gorsty, what about your forward line? 
I'm not sure. I'm not sure I agree with Doyle about Origi. To be honest, every time I've seen him play, he hasn't. I mean, for pretty much all the season, he's just been a bit drifting in and out of games and hasn't really looked too interested. So uh, I'd, I'd be bringing Firmino back. Um, Salah obviously starts, but no, no Jota is a big thing, isn't it? And Minamino, don't really know what's happening with him at the moment. Um, yeah. Um, having said that, about Origi, I'd probably still. Go with him. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I praise him, then drop him, and you slaughter him, and then play him. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so not trying to just cram Shakiri in somewhere, maybe, and I don't know. You can't really play mm. him off the left, though, can you? But yeah, if, yeah. Well, that's that's the problem. Is I didn't really think the, the diamond worked particularly well in, in the first half. So um, I always like the three up front. Probably, yeah. I'm more stick than, than carrot with me managerial tactics, so I'll have a go at you, but I'll still pick you. Origi's <laughs> <laughs> and Joe, Joe, where do you fall on the Origi? The Origi yeah, I, I haven't been impressed with Origi, but um, he's not he's not going to just you know force his way into my team just just because there's no one else. But poor poor Takumi Minamino, I mean, he scores his first goal against Crystal Palace and then gets banished for. Um, the last six weeks, basically, I, I, I'm going to give him a start, uh, especially you know if, if Mane isn't isn't available. And to be honest, even if Mane is touch and go, I think it's probably let, best to let him sit it out with um, City on the horizon. So, yeah, I, I would play Minamino off off the left as well, coming in on his right foot. Um, you know, that's how he got his first goal, isn't it? Against against Palace, that's, Palace, that's yeah. what position he played in that day. So, yeah, so hopefully. He can do something because I'm, I'm beginning to fear from Minamino. I used to worry a lot about Naby Keita. Have you stopped worrying about Keita? Yeah. <laughs> There's no point worrying about Keita, is there? <laughs> so, um, poor Takumi, yeah, I want to give him a chance. And Joe, I'll stick with you. You can start us off on match predictions. What's the score going to be? I think, in the same vein of the last couple of games, it's going to be tight for a little while. And then eventually, Liverpool, Liverpool will get their goal. I'm going to say 2 0. 2 0 Liverpool. Ghosty? Um, 1 0. I think it'll be a really tough one, actually. I think it'll just be a similar story to, to recent weeks. And the prediction Oracle, who's got one right all season, <laughs> but let us know two. about it. What about Liverpool United as well? 0 0. Uh, yeah, so two okay. of the last. Two of the last my predictions, and I said two all for the cup game, and I wasn't far off there, was I? But you were so, wrong. yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we don't worry about that. What's the score um, going to be? Don't stop taking the jam out of my donuts, honestly. Um, I agree with the lads. I, I like Brighton. I like Brighton a lot. I like the way they play. Uh, I was down there for the, the game in, I think it was November, finished one all. I think Brighton had about 13 penalties in that game, scored one right at the end. Um, I think bear, bear in mind that game, Minamino was playing in centre mid and I think Curtis Jones came on and played right back for a bit so that was the absolute I think that was the and Nat Phillips was playing centre back and that was the absolute I think nadir of the injury problems that was the worst of the worst so if Brighton couldn't beat Liverpool then while they are playing an awful lot better and have just beaten Tottenham which I know Guy would have enjoyed very much um, I think it'll be tight I think Liverpool will win by two goals to one goal 2-1. OK, we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. Remember to stick across the Liverpool Echo for the latest on the deals to bring Oban, Ozan Kabak and Ben Davis to Anfield, as well as all the build-up to the game with Brighton and post-match reaction, which you'll also find here on the Blood Red channel, whether it be our dedicated YouTube channel or our podcast platforms. Thank Can you I... very much. Oh, yeah. 
just to cut you off before you uh, you, you close us off, uh, we've we during the recording we've had it confirmed that Liverpool have, have agreed a one million loan fee for Ozan Kabak with uh, an option to make it permanent in the summer for eighteen million, um, five hundred pound, uh, five hundred thousand pound extra, which is centered around appearance-based bonuses and so on. So, looks like Liverpool uh, finally have their man um, Ozan Kabak on his way alongside Ben Davis. Brilliant stuff indeed. Two then on their way to Anfield. That's it from us here on this edition of the Blood Red Podcast. (laughs) Thanks for your time and your company. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.